on right now with Jim Dawes on the Mojo 5 Radio Network, bringing you the news behind the news, the story behind the story, here to convince you that reality is usually scoffed at and illusion is usually king. Streaming live on iHeartRadio, available as a podcast on iTunes, TuneIn, Spreaker, and Spotify. Follow me on Twitter at RightNowJimDogs. If you want to shoot me an email, the address is RightNowJimDogs at gmail.com. And if you want to call the vent line and leave your rants, that number is 772-245-0750. That's 772-245-0750. So, we've been in this lockdown for four weeks now. The American economy has been put on hold on the advice of the so-called experts who are looking more and more like just uh, chicken littles that predicted the sky was going to fall and none of their predictions have come to pass. So, on yesterday's show, I opened up asking, uh, do you think that you may have caught this virus? It's looking more and more like the proper course of action in this would have been to shut away uh, the vulnerable, elderly, and people with compromised immune systems and let everybody else go ahead and get the virus. They might have gotten sick, probably not very badly, and uh, and then move on. And uh, you'd have a population that had developed antibodies, were no longer contagious. And then after that, the vulnerable could come back out of their houses and and resume their life. We didn't take that course, of course. A horse was a horse, of course, of course. But um, I asked on yesterday's show if you think you may have caught the virus. I think I did. It, uh, I had some flu symptoms for about three days. My fever broke in the middle of the night. And uh, and then I called the local triage nurse. She said that uh, if my fever had broke, that I didn't need to come in, that um, after 72 hours I would no longer be contagious. And if I didn't uh, show any more symptoms, that I was good to go. I got a bunch of emails in response to my question yesterday of whether or not you think you caught the virus. One was from uh, the unofficial fact checker for right now, Jim Dawes. That's Jim Blizzard. I think he's in Illinois. And uh, he said that on March 9th, he went to the grocer, hadn't been anywhere for weeks. And two uh, two mornings later, woke up and felt like he had a deep sore in his navel cavity. Couldn't breathe, couldn't blow his nose. And uh, then, like me, he says he had night sweats for one night, and then it was uh, over, and uh, he'd never had anything like that before. He says um, he may have had COVID-19. I wouldn't doubt it. The, uh, The numbers, as of now, shows that only 150 Americans have died that did not have pre-existing conditions. I think we were up to about 2,300 total deaths, so uh, that 150 would would be less than 1%, about uh, 0.9%. And as the president predicted and I predicted, uh, the, uh, the actual rates of death, the mortality rates are right in line with the seasonal flu. A coronavirus is... A, a well-known virus. It is uh, the most common cause of flus and, uh, and even the common cold. And uh, why exactly 
we so overreacted to this one is uh, is kind of a head scratcher. Maybe it was the Institute for Health Metrics and Evaluation. That is a, a group that was founded in 2007 by none other than Bill Gates, who is uh, said to be our guru on infectious diseases and pandemics now. Whenever Trump suggests that hydroxychloroquine might be an effective treatment, he is immediately attacked. You're not a medical doctor. You shut up. But Bill Gates is, uh, is also not a medical doctor, and he apparently is the guy who is behind the current response to this crisis, telling us we have to all stay indoors until they can, they can come up with a vaccine to treat the entire world with. And as proof that you've had that vaccine, he wants to give you a digital certificate. And I would not be surprised if that digital certificate took the form of a chip implanted in, uh, on everybody. But um, Martha McCallum had, uh, had one of these representatives from this, uh, this laboratory, the International uh, Health and Medical uh, International Health Metrics Evaluators or something like that. And I asked them, you know, um, the United States has had mortality very similar to what Japan had. And Japan never never closed down their economy. They never, never uh, locked everybody in their houses. So how do you explain that? You know, we were told that social distancing was factored into that number, that 90,000 number, because we were told that if we didn't social distance and do all of the staying at home, the number was going to be in the 1.2 million range. So it was already factored in, wasn't it? No, it was factored in, but for state that came later, it was clear that people even in those states where there was no order to stay at home, they were practicing social distancing. So Florida, for example, came later, but it seems that parts of Florida, such as Miami, they had an order in place. So the data is coming up and showing that people were adhering to these messages even before they were implemented in their states. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, when it's mm-hmm. when you look at the model, though, I, I think it raises questions about whether or not it is social distancing or whether it, it is something else, perhaps. And, you know, you look at Japan, for example, which did sort of a very comprehensive mask program early on and limited some gatherings, but did not by any means do the, the, the kind of across the country lockdowns that the United States has done, and they only lost 85 people in Japan. For this for this pandemic right now and COVID-19, since we don't have... Watch how he studiously avoids answering Martha's question. ...a vaccine or even a medication for it. What's really working for us is social distancing. And then the models clearly is following the mortality exactly, and the new data that's coming is really leading to that success story. In my point of view, this is a positive sign that what we are doing is working, and we should reinforce that message. So Martha's bullshit detector is going off right about now. So why did Japan lose so few people, do you think, when they didn't do that? Well, other countries we know when they didn't do so, they had a higher rate of mortality. If you look at what happened in Italy or even in China, when they didn't take it seriously early on and they came back and reinforced these measures, they were. You know what Italy didn't do? Italy didn't 
uh, advise their vulnerable populations to stay indoors. Japan did that. Japan did the exact model that we normally take in these types of outbreaks. They tell the vulnerable populations to stay indoors, and they let everybody else go ahead and develop the so-called herd immunity so that uh, you can you can move on past this kind of outbreak. Randy Newman, the... Uh, well, let me let me set this up a little better. He's out with a song now that uh, accurately represents the uh, the recommendations of um, of Bill Gates I M H I H M E Institute. like he's about in his 80s now and uh, and that is an absolutely proper perspective for him to take you know you really don't have to tell people with compromised immune systems or the elderly uh that they'll they're vulnerable they're going to follow the advice to stay indoors and if they don't that's their own uh decision to make so that is absolutely uh there are going to be there are going to be books written about this mass hysteria that crashed the american economy and uh, and that of the Western world, and uh, it was largely because of Bill Gates, the the one that, that everybody is turning to now as some sort sort of expert on pandemics, who just happens to be heavily invested in uh, getting vaccines and making everybody in the world take it and have to prove it in order to get a job or go about their daily lives. Well, the Democrats are back up to their same old stuff again. The uh, the small business loan program that the uh, phase three stimulus bill had in it is about out of money now uh, because I think it was originally designed to go through mid-April and now it's going to have to last until Mar- uh, May 1st. And so Mitch McConnell uh, drafted a bill to add more money to that to see us through the May 1st lockdown. And just like they did with the phase three stimulus bill, the Democrats filibustered it in the, uh, in the, in the Senate. Mitch McConnell took to Twitter and said, Senate Democrats just blocked urgent money for a popular bipartisan job saving program, which they themselves literally co-authored with us two weeks ago. I complimented both sides and asked, to increase the dollar amount without changing anything else, but they blocked it. 
So I, I reported on yesterday's show that that one week delay while Nancy Pelosi made Chuck Schumer filibuster the phase three relief bill cost literally millions of Americans their jobs that because their uh, their businesses, their employers weren't able to hold out for that extra week. And now they're doing the same thing again, and they're they're desperately trying, or at least Chuck Schumer is, to confuse the issue. He uh, he responded to Mitch McConnell saying, uh, Mitch McConnell blocked a bill that provides money for small businesses, hospitals, testing, and more. Instead of working with the House and Senate Democrats, he pulled a political stunt. Now you notice that there's uh, there's no specifics in that lie. He just makes a charge and he, he gets to move on because the medical, uh, the media will spread that lie uncritically, but they're, uh, they're doing it again. They've got us locked in the house. American businesses are closed down and, uh, and any effort to try to address this without a laundry list of Democrat left wing policies contained in it. Nancy Pelosi is, uh, is making Chuck Schumer filibuster it in the Senate. I've got a clip here. This is Tim Murtog. He is um, the communication directors for the Trump campaign describing this issue. The president has two very important responsibilities. He has to protect the health and safety of the American people, and he also has to safeguard the economy, which is why protecting small businesses is so important, because they provide about half the jobs in this country. So the president knows that the the money really has to keep flowing to these folks. The idea is to have people not miss paychecks. If If they get one of these loans, if the small business gets one of these loans from the Small Business Association, and they use the money to keep paying their workers or to pay rent on their physical location, then they don't have to pay the loan back. The loan is forgiven. And so it's important to uh, businesses weren't made and don't have the cash reserves to just close down and sit idle for two, three, six, nine months at a time. They just they just aren't built that way. And so the president knows that people have to keep the money flowing to make sure that the economy can come back to life. Well, the money is not going to flow the uh, the program is about out of money and efforts to try to replenish those funds have now been once again blocked by the Democrats who claim that they represent American workers, but really are just holding them hostage to their left-wing agenda. Hey, this is the point in the show where I want to remind you to go over to preparewithmojo50.com. That's preparewithmojo50.com. It'll take you to My Patriot Supply, and you can get your four-week emergency food supply It'll give you 2,000 calories a day, total of 284 servings, 12 varieties of food with a 25-year shelf life. And if you order today, you'll get free shipping and handling, and you'll save $100. This uh, this package is regularly $297. You can get it today, save $100 instantly, and get it for just $197. Go to preparewithmojo50.com, that's preparewithmojo50.com, and get your emergency food supply before they lock us in for another four weeks. So, the Democrats and the left-wing media, I understand why why the left-wing media is mad at Trump, but their derangement syndrome has gone entirely off the deep end and, and it's really a form of mental illness at this point. You know, Trump's been beating up on them pretty hard, exposing them as fake news. They've been used to 
being able to just, uh, you know, put out these stories and not have anybody push back on them because politicians have uh, traditionally been afraid to offend, especially the New York Times or the Washington Post or CNN. But here's a clip yesterday from John Heilman. He's one of these talking heads appearing on MSNBC. Well, here we go. Sorry for the delay. Here it comes. And I don't think it's actually an overstatement Mm -hmm. to say that Donald Trump has, there are tens of thousands of people who will die in the country or have some of them have already died. More are still going to die because of Donald Trump's incompetence and lack of leadership. There's another one of those instances where they won't give you any actual examples of this incompetence or lack of leadership. Truth is the president was uh, acted on this earlier than the experts, the experts were still still buying the lies from China that this virus didn't transmit human to human when the president started instituting his travel bans. And, uh, and the president ramped up the supply chain after it was left depleted uh, by the Obama administration after the H1N1 um, outbreak. And now it appears that uh, we're going to have hundreds of thousands, maybe even million more, uh, millions of more ventilators than were actually necessary. I guess that's not necessarily a bad thing. Those ventilators will be sold, and uh, a large number of them will go back into our stockpile uh, so that we'll have them on hand should we uh, suffer another one of these type outbreaks. But John Heilman wasn't along. He had uh, uh, the raging Cajun himself. James Carville, the guy who brought us Bill Clinton for four years, and uh, and he had uh, he had something very similar to say. This thing in Wisconsin was, was one of the most awful things I've ever seen in my life. The extent that what they will go to to hold on to power, they will kill people to stay. They will kill people. He's talking about, of course, that election in Wisconsin, where the the, the Democrats basically wanted to ignore the law and allow. Uh, mail-in ballots to uh, to be accepted regardless of the postmark. So, <laughs> so Carville says that that is literally wanting to kill people. The problem is, you know, courts have to that uh, they can't legislate. They told the the uh, Wisconsin Supreme Court told the legislature that they're perfectly uh, welcome if they wanted to to waive those requirements, but based on the law. The, and the Wisconsin legislature wasn't in session, by the way. Uh, but based on the law, they had to enforce those uh, those prohibitions from, uh, from mail-in ballots not having to be postmarked by Election Day. And, of course, uh, you know, this is going to be a major uh, bone of contention as the Democrats try to push out their um, their same day voter registration and their vote by mail, so they can institute these vote harvesting schemes that they so successfully deployed in California. I think they picked up nine Republican seats in Orange County, California, because their legislature out there uh, made ballot harvesting legal. So what was happening is. Um, they would send teams out into the community 
and they had knock on doors and say, uh, did you get your, uh, your mail-in ballot? Have you mailed it in? And if they hadn't either because, you know, they, they weren't somebody that was interested in voting or maybe they were illegally in the country and unqualified to vote. Remember they put, uh, you know, voter, uh, motor voter registration in there that, uh, automatically registered you if you got a driver's license. And of course, illegal immigrants are, uh, eligible to get driver's licenses in California. But then the, 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 uh, the worker that knocked on the door would help the person fill out their ballot. They would collect them, bundle them up and take them down and drop them on the voter registration rolls. Now they, they continue to insist that there's no proof, no proof they say of voter fraud there are ample proof, uh, evidence of voter fraud, but the reason that there hasn't been more proof in California is because, one, they made it legal, and then, two, they steadfastly refused to investigate just exactly how, how much fraud is going on as a result of these, uh, these vote harvesting schemes. Well, Alyssa Milano took to Twitter yesterday, and uh, she has apparently taken notice that uh, – Concerned about a possible outbreak of um, of uh, social unrest, civil unrest. Responsible American citizens have been uh, loading up on ammo and firearms. She says they have bought over two million firearms since March 2020. Well, we don't know how many firearms they would buy during a normal period, but I have no doubt that responsible Americans see uh, society fraying at the edges and think it's probably a really good time to make sure that uh, my family is prepared so that I can protect uh, my family and and our house and have uh, responded by increasing their ammunition and firearm purchases. That really upsets Alyssa. Hi, everybody. Um, So I'm making this video because I'm seeing reports all over the country of Americans responding to the coronavirus outbreak by buying up guns and and ammunition. And I know that we are all scared and stressed out during these these really uncertain times. But that is exactly why stockpiling weapons you know, could have dire consequences. Yeah, it could have dire consequences for those people who don't uh, prepare themselves and have a legally owned firearm inside their house in case society breaks down. But, um, you know, Melissa Alano needs to find something to do with her life. She is. She can talk into Twitter all she wants till her face turns blue. American people have a constitutional right to keep and bear arms. One, to protect ourselves from foreign invasion. And two, to protect ourselves from uh, the rise of a tyrannical government. And I have no doubt that a lot of people that are getting those firearms are noticing that they're being locked in their homes and threatened with arrest if they go to the park or the boat ramp. Or just try to get outside with some fresh air and sunshine. Never before in our nation's history have we seen such an attack on just basic civil liberties. But Alyssa Milano, you know, I know you care a lot. I know you've worked your way into a frenzy. 
you're all about the hashtag me too movement, unless of course the accusations and the unverified accusations are coming at a democratic candidate like Joe Biden. And then we don't believe all women, as you told us during the Kavanaugh hearing, we have to have proof. We have to vet these accusations. Looks like truckers delivering goods are finding it difficult to find open rest stops across the country. That is an absolute travesty. They need to send the National Guard to these rest stops to keep them open if necessary. Make these truckers get out there on the road to deliver these goods, and then you deny them a place to sleep and take a bathroom break? It's ridiculous. we got to run out to a break when we come back. We'll look more at this right after these messages on the Mojo 5 Radio Network. Stick with us. This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwanns.com backslash yum for details. This episode is sponsored by schwanns.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwanns.com backslash yum for details. And you're back on Right Now with Jim Dawes on the Mojo Five O Radio Network. Your daily journal of news, politics, and culture. From an America First perspective. So it turns out that uh, Dr. Anthony Fauci also sits on the board of Bill Gates' IHME Foundation. They're predicted as many as 2.2 million people will die of this virus. And they, they told us even with the social distancing, it could be as many as 400,000. Now it looks like it's going to come in around 50,000, which puts it a little right in line with the seasonal flu, which it is basically another seasonal flu. Here's Bill Gates telling us that we cannot return to normal without everybody taking his well, vaccine. China took the situation in Wuhan, uh, which was quite dramatic, and, and by extreme interventions in terms of reducing movement, uh, they were able to crush that epidemic. So he starts out by praising China, who kept the fact that this virus could even spread human to human secret from the world for about two months when we could have been getting a, a prepared for it, having scientists study it and make more accurate determinations of its true transmissibility and mortality rates. Bill Gates thinks they just did a great job in Wuhan. Uh, you know, those hospitals are gone. Uh, you know, look at the 
commerce. Uh, stores are open now in China. Oh, good. China's back to work, and those hospitals that they put up are gone. Guess, guess what other hospitals are gone? These field hospitals that the Army Corps of Engineers set up in Washington State and California, they're now gone too, having never even been needed, never treating a single patient. That's uh, that's what Bill Gates' recommendations led to. Yeah, and nowhere else, whereas before it was the opposite. And so it's a real thing that they took a significant number of cases not only flattened it, but brought it down to very small levels. Now, as they open up, there will be slight rebounds, and it's very valuable uh, for them to share where that's happening because all the countries that have substantial epidemics uh, now have to think, okay, once you get down the absolute level, what, before having a vaccine, what kind of activities should we re-engage in? You know? So now Bill Gates is going to advise us on who can go back to work. He wants to determine who is an essential worker. Probably manufacturing we can do, uh, probably construction we can do. Hopefully, because of the number of young people involved, uh, we can do education. But we're going to have this intermediate period of opening up, uh, and it won't be normal until we get a an amazing vaccine uh, to the entire world. An amazing okay. vaccine that I just happened to be uh, heavily invested in, and Dr. Fauci is on the board. You know, I'm not necessarily saying that Bill Gates did this out of malevolent motivations. We don't know that for sure. We know that the that the numbers that came out of his foundation, the IHME, International Health Metrics Evaluators, uh, were built into these models that Fauci and Dr. Burks used and that they have caused a mass hysteria that has shut down our economy. And if you look at the nations that didn't do that, that just went around, uh, went about developing this herd immunity like Japan and Sweden and Iceland, their, uh, their mortality rates were right in line with what we experienced here in America, despite the fact that we were locked in our homes and had crashed the economy. But you best not say anything like that on the air. Even on Fox News, here's Brian Kilmeade pointing out that uh, the the deaths were far less, and he's quickly corrected. Uh, We also have to keep in mind, too, there was a lot of positive news yesterday. The fact is, when someone says 200,000 people die, oops, I mean 60,000. And it's not going to be right away. It's going to be in August. That's how good we're doing and how off the models were. Mm -hmm. You have to wonder, as much as social distancing is working, I'm wondering if the economists are going to get in that room and say, we have to stand up this economy in some way before we're not going to be able to stand when this is all said and done. Meanwhile, today, the Senate will discuss another. 60,000 people, which is a staggering number. It's a high number. People are going to die as the country out on its back for three months. We're not going to look like the same country. Economists have to have a say in this. Uh, Steve Ducey has got to be the least thoughtful guy on Fox. He just parrots the uh, the mainstream media line most of the time. But it's still a, 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 a huge number, says Steve Ducey. Well, not really. Not really. When you look at the annual seasonal flu, uh, this is a bad annual seasonal flu. And apparently anybody that's got this version of the coronavirus flu is uh, is chalked up to um, 
you know, that being the cause of death, despite the fact that they are, you know, have underlying health issues like heart disease and diabetes and all of these other things. We don't know for a fact that, uh, you know, the, the coronavirus killed them. But let's uh, let's just say that uh, all of those 60,000 are responsible. Uh, the coronavirus is responsible for those deaths. I think it was like three years ago we had 71,000 people die of the seasonal flu. And as I said in the first half of this pro- uh, program, only 150 of those uh, those 60,000 deaths that they predict, I think it's at about 23,000 right now, only 150 of those 23,000 have, have not had a risk factor. Um, Victor Davis Hansen was on with John Batchelor, and he was uh, talking about an article that he wrote in uh, – the National Review. I wish he'd stop writing for that rag. He also writes an American Thinker, which is much more in line with um, with his writing and his his uh, thinking. But uh, VDH was talking about um, why the people who uh, give these over the top predictions are never punished, and why anybody that tries to to um, cast a light on them for over-hyping this, uh, this pandemic are immediately punished. Well, we know that Neil Ferguson, not our Neil Ferguson from Stanford, but the other Neil Ferguson from the Imperial College warned us that 2.2 million Americans could likely die in 500,000 from the UK. I think the University of Washington at one point was over 200,000 dead now, then now 100,000. Now it's somewhere around 2017 flu anticipation of 60,000. Governor DeWine, remember in Ohio, told us on March 12th, his model and his uh, health records model said that there was already 100,000 Ohioans with an active case. At that time, there was, I think, five. There's about 5,000 now, but he said that it would double every six days, 24 days later, there's not 1.6 million Ohioans with the virus. And nor is there about 40,000 dead. I think there's less than about 100 dead in Ohio. And he said, of course, with 2.5% death rate, we would have expected 40,000. Here in California, John, we were told that at the end of this month, Gavin Newsom assured us that we would have 57, 58% of the state infected. That would be about 25 million people. And we're not, we're around 17,000, depending on which rubric we look at, around 500 dead. At 2.5%, that would have given us a million dead in three weeks. I don't think we're going to be there. So why do we get this? these emboldened, pessimistic, confident, Uh, appraisals when the denominators of known cases is so iffy because it doesn't represent a a, a true profile of those that that were either exposed and got it and didn't have uh, symptoms or those who did. And the numerator, the number of deaths, is even skeptical because we don't know how many die with it or from it. All that being said, I think it's because the pessimist is in a win-win situation. When he gives these fleet prognostications, he says, well, these are going to die. And then when they don't die, he said, well, they only didn't die because I scared you into doing what was necessary and right. And you wouldn't have done it without 
my prognoses. And then if he's accurate, then he said, I, I warned you and, and I didn't want this to happen. Whereas the optimist, he's in a lose-lose situation because if he's right and we don't have 2.2 million dead, then the Neil Ferguson's of the world come back and say, well, they're only, you're only right because I corrected your data by uh, scaring people into doing social distancing and shelter in place and all this stuff. And therefore, you're right only because I scared people. And if the optimist is wrong and we do get two million, then he's not just wrong. He's a murderer. He caused those deaths. And that's, a, that's apparent to all the modelers. So I think psychologically, they always hedge on the dark side. And what's even stranger about it, John, is there's no downside. Whereas if somebody gives a very conservative estimate of numbers of death and it excels out, they say he was naive or he's even responsible. But when these modelers give these fantastic numbers that lead to really destructive social policies that can hurt people and even destroy lives of people who are missing key, you know, regular checkups with their doctors or anxious, suicidal, drug abuse, all these things. No one ever says, well, if you hadn't done that, then we wouldn't have been in this situation because they feel that they're exempt or sacrosanct. And, and they've been running the show, so to speak, under the guise of being scientific, but it's not very scientific to make these models when you don't know what your denominator is. When we say that 60 million people got the flu in 2017, we never said that 60,000, 60 million, excuse me, were tested. We said that uh, about 60,000 died, we think, from it. And because we have models that suggest one out of a thousand dies, then we went backwards and said, well, if, if 60,000 died, there must have been 60 million cases. That's what we always do. We've never had a accurate denominator, and we don't now. But suddenly in this this singular and particular case, all of a sudden our scientists are saying, we have a denominator in a way that we didn't with the flu, but we don't. We have an even less likely because we don't have accurate models to approximate it. And nobody, no one's, except for the doctors at Stanford, none of them, nobody seems to challenge this. Well, we at some point there's going to have to be an after-action evaluation of this mass hysteria that they have uh, they have foisted upon the American people. The really disturbing thing about this is how they now have a roadmap. Both our enemies that want to destroy our economy and, and uh, displace us uh, have a roadmap on how to go about it, thanks to Bill Gates and his IHME Foundation. And if you if you want to empower uh, tyrants in this country, they know exactly how to go about it. They just declare a pandemic, lock everybody in their houses, and instruct the uh, the authorities, the police agencies, and and uh, the military to uh, to take anybody in custody who ventures outside of their homes. And they can say, "Oh, it's because of a pandemic." Don't you remember back in two thousand and twenty? We're doing the same thing we did then. We're going to hear a little bit more of VDH. Uh, he used to come on this show, but uh, he's become so popular now. A regular guest on Fox News and other uh, other big shows that uh, he doesn't have time for right now with Jim Dawes anymore. I hope at some point uh, to have him back on. But he has, uh, I, when I have talked to him, he's been out in the field. He's, he's got a big farm there in the Imperial Valley. 
um, and uh, he he hasn't had time uh, to to schedule to come on. We're going to hear more from him after the break. I want to remind you to go over to AmericaFirstRadio.shop. That's AmericaFirstRadio.shop. We've got some cool T-shirts up there. One is a, a Country Boy Can Survive. Of course, that's the old Hank Williams Outlaw T-shirt. Perfectly for this uh, this day and age. You can also find one that says, uh, Failing to Prep is Prepping to Fail, which is, I think that's an old uh, Boy Scout saying. But most importantly, you want to get yourself one of these banana bag oral solutions. Um, this is a great product to have on hand in case you become uh, dehydrated. Dehydration is one of the main killers in times of uh, illnesses. It contains high doses of B vitamins and C vitamins and uh, and is is very similar to what they give you when you get run down and your immune system becomes compromised. The electrolytes are sodium, chloride, potassium, de- uh, dextrose. It's an organic lemon-lime flavor. It's not the best tasting thing in the world, although there is a pediatric version of it that you can get that's a little bit uh, more uh, more sweet, got a little bit of sweetener in it. The adult version is uh, is the is the straight stuff. It's got no preservatives, no artificial calories or sweeteners, no dyes, no GMOs. Great for dehydration or low energy or medical conditions. Or if you're like me and and your drinking is picked up during this time of being locked in, it's great for hangovers as well. You can get five bags for $15.50 with free same-day shipping when you go to AmericaFirstRadio.shop. That's AmericaFirstRadio.shop. So Victor Davis Hansen, the second clip is not nearly as long as the first, but he's he was talking about uh, how all the incentives are to overestimate and scream that the sky is falling, and that's exactly what's happened in this case. And then he went on in that same interview to talk about the economic costs and how at some point we're going to have to factor those into uh, to this equation if we're ever going to be able to get back to work. Because the person who is the economist and has more hard data because he does have figures of GDP and he does have actual statistics in the stock market of how much liquidity the nation's lost, then he has said he usually is a proponent for curbing these economic losses because he's worried that they're going to destroy lives. But that's not how the epidemiologists put it. They say, well, you're just worried about money over lives. And then he's forced into the corner to, to retreat and say, well, I am, but I'm, it's lives versus lives because if people's businesses are destroyed, if they're suicidal, if they use substances in a way they wouldn't have, if child, children are abused in close quarters, if somebody has a key coronary appointment and he doesn't go to it, if he doesn't go to his appointment, he can cost lives. But we never say that. No, the uh, the economic fallout because is going is going to do far who, more damage. The economic fallout is going to be do far more damage than the actual virus is, itself. I said early on in this that the cure, as they were going, was going to be worse than the disease, and that's that's when they were saying we uh, they, we were likely to be able to get back to work by the middle of April. Now they've extended that two weeks, 
And the president's, you know, he, he's going to do that. He's going to start reopening this economy on, on May 1st. And you can bet that the left-wing media is going to be out there attributing each and every person that dies of the virus after that. It's going to be blood on Donald Trump's hands. Because there is no issue too serious not to politicize for them. They're desperate to get this outsider that has taken uh, the White House out of there so they can return to regular business. Their gravy train where, you know, they engage in all of these programs uh, that uh, enrich themselves and their families while at the same time ignoring the actual American people and ha- who are having their jobs shipped overseas and then having to compete with the illegal aliens in the country due to their open borders pro- uh, policies. At the end of the first segment, I mentioned the, this, uh, this situation where truck stops across this country are being closed down because of the coronavirus. So we absolutely have to have our supply chain kept in place, and we're rightly praising our truckers for staying at work but the, the state governments can't seem to handle keeping the truck stops open so these people will have a place to rest or a place to go to the bathroom. A trucker uh, in Illinois, her name is Angie Baum, she drives with her husband Larry, told a local TV station a lot of truck stops are limiting the number of trucks that come in. The Baums are from Belleville, Illinois. And they've chronicled their journey as married truck drivers on a Facebook page called Married to the Road. We're out on the road a lot more, Angie said. We're out about six days a week now. We're usually home for about a day or a day and a half. Many of the truck stops are closed to anything except filling up for fuel and, and, and signs hanged from locked doors say no coffee, no water, no bathroom available. You know, a trucker absolutely runs on coffee. So we need to, uh, if we, if, if necessary, get the national guard out to these truck stops and these rest areas to keep them operating. We can't in one, in one breath praise truckers for staying on the job. And then at the second hand, hand turn right around and make it harder for them to say, stay on the job. Jim Acosta tweeted yesterday, the White House medical unit is going to conduct COVID-19 on all members of the press who plan to participate in the task force force briefings, including correspondents, photographers, and technicians. I'm not really sure if Acosta is complaining about that. I mean, isn't that what CNN has been arguing for? Test everybody? He goes on to say, I wish antibody tests were available. It, it should be distributed to blood banks. I know that LifeSource tracks you by donor number. They need to test anyway, and it would be a boon for new donors. Well, that, uh, that test is, in fact, on the shelf and ready to go and waiting for FDA approval. Uh, they have authorized your local pharmacist to administer this antibody test when it becomes available. So you'll be able to, to go to your local pharmacy and, uh, and get a quick test to find out if you've had the virus and if you've developed antibodies. I'm looking forward to that myself. I would just wonder if, um, if Jim Acosta 
uh, if he tests positive, is going to take hydroxychloroquine. I mean, he could never do that because according to CNN, it's an unproven drug with dangerous side effects. So you know none of those people over at CNN would ever, ever take hydroxychloroquine to save their life. Did you see that uh, interview with Bill Barr on Laura Ingram's show? (laughs) I'm going to play a a couple of clips off of that interview because it was a a tour de force. But uh, Barr talked about this jihad that the mainstream media is conducting against hydroxychloroquine. The stridency uh, of the partisan attacks on him has gotten higher and higher, and it's really disappointing to see. And the politicization of, of decisions like the hydroxychloroquine has been amazing to me. Before the president said anything about it, there was fair and balanced coverage of, uh, of this pr- very promising drug and the fact that it had such a long track record that the risks were pretty well known. And as soon as he uh, said something positive about it, uh, the media has been on a jihad to discredit the drug. It's, it's quite strange. A nonstop jihad. It wasn't just fair and balanced coverage before Trump expressed optimism in hydroxychloroquine. It was uh, it was being touted in the mainstream media, including the New York Times and the Washington Post, as a possible um, saving grace in this coronavirus. As soon as the president came out optimistic about it, they immediately spun on their heels and decided that that was dangerous. And now you've got Kamala Harris and um, and Jimmy Fallon calling Trump a drug dealer for uh, you know. Uh, ordering the supply of hydroxychloroquine and the Z packs that uh, medical doctors across the country are, are prescribing Uh, on that same interview. Bill Barr touched on the progress of John Durham's investigation to be frustrated because I think what happened to him was one of the greatest travesties in American history. Without any basis, uh, they uh, started this investigation of his campaign. Uh, And even uh, more concerning, actually, is what happened after the campaign, a whole pattern of events while he was president. Uh, So I uh, to sabotage the presidency. And uh, I I think that, uh, or at least had the effect of sabotaging the presidency. You know, I think that um, Durham's investigation was intended to start showing results before this upcoming election. I think that uh, as a result of this uh, this mass hysteria, it's going to be delayed. And in order to ever get any truth or any justice out of uh, the Russia hoax uh it's going to require donald trump to be reelected because if joe biden gets in there you can bet the first thing he's going to do is shut down any uh any prosecutions that come out of john durham's investigation let me see what's on this clip uh from laura's interview oh that's the same one so Let's talk about Sleepy Joe now that that uh, Bernie has thrown in the towel. Bernie's not, in fact, giving up his his delegates. He says he's going to continue 
to uh, to collect delegates. He's just going to stop campaigning. He's refusing to give up his delegates. Here he is uh, saying just that. On a practical note, let me also say this. I will stay on the ballot in all remaining states and continue to gather delegates. While Vice President Biden will be the nominee, we must continue working to assemble as many delegates as possible at the Democratic Convention, where we will be able to exert significant influence over the party platform and other functions. So Kami Bernie is going to continue to collect delegates so he can uh, drag Joe Biden even further to the left. Yesterday, Joe Biden came out and said he's going to make it uh, Medicare for almost everybody. And uh, he's going to forgive student loan debt. He's going to uh, stop deportations, no deportations in the first hundred days of a Biden presidency. Uh, He's doing everything he can to cater to Bernie Sanders, Marxist voters. Biden tweeted out, if we come together, we will defeat Donald Trump. And when we do that, we will not only do the hard work of rebuilding this nation. We will transform it. Sounds like that tweet was written by one of Obama's staffers. You know, they're always talking about transforming the nation. And they they went a long way down the road to transforming the nation into some sort of socialist left-wing utopia. You had Don Jr. on uh, on Twitter uh, pointing out that after Hunter Biden took $1.5 billion from a Chinese government-owned bank, which relates to about $30 million each and every year for Hunter Biden, he says you can't trust Joe to be tough on China. He will be a Chinese poodle. And Kamala Harris is out there. She's, uh, she's lobbying to become Joe Biden's vice presidential candidate. And she's got a bunch of recommendations on how we can address this outbreak. To this problem, which means acknowledging it is a real serious issue and not a hoax, which means saying that that one of the tools in the tool belt of the president in a crisis is to is to use the Defense Production Act to require that where we don't have what we need to meet the crisis and meet the moment, we will create incentives and direction to the private sector to create those things. In this case, ventilators, masks, done that. So she's getting on board with saying Donald Trump ought to do the things that Donald Trump has already done, just like Joe Biden. Well, that takes us to the end of this edition of Right Now with Jim Dawes. I want to thank you for joining us again. I invite you back here again on Monday right here on the Mojo 5 Radio Network. We'll talk to you then. When the weather outside is frightful, the Hyundai Santa Fe is, hmm, what's the word? Delightful. Because it's got available H-Track all-wheel drive to make being out together better. Enter for your chance to win the newly redesigned Santa Fe, packed with all the jingle bells and whistles you need to go dashing through the snow together. To enter, visit Amazon.com slash Hyundai or scan the QR code on specially marked red and green Amazon boxes. No purchase necessary. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. 
Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwans.com backslash yum for details.